Chronic Illness Therapist podcast. This is meant to be a place where people with chronic illnesses can come to feel heard, seen, and safe while listening to mental health therapists and other medical professionals talk about the realities of treating difficult conditions. This might be a new concept for you, one in which you never have to worry about someone inferring that it's all in your head. We dive deep into the human side of treating complex medical conditions and help you find professionals that leave you feeling hopeful for the future. I hope you love what you learn here, and please consider leaving a review or sharing this podcast with someone you love. Joy Johnson is a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and owner of a group therapy practice called Therapy with Joy, serving clients locally in Atlanta and virtually across Georgia. She's the author of the Self-Compassion Workbook, Practical Exercises to Approach Your Thoughts, Emotions, and Actions with Kindness. She's also a certified Daring Way facilitator, an experiential methodology based on the research of Brene Brown and a somatic experiencing practitioner in training. While Joy has a wide range of clinical experience, she specializes in working with folks who work incredibly hard to take care of everything and everyone else, but eventually end up feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. Many of these folks tend to identify with chronic illness, perfectionism, and complex trauma. Joy works best with these folks because she's been there. She identifies as a recovering perfectionist and a trauma survivor. As a toddler and teenager, Joy had multiple invasive surgeries due to a serious medical condition, and as an adult developed chronic pain and autoimmune issues. She understands what it's like to live with daily pain, medical complications, and re-experiencing trauma in our flawed healthcare system. Joy especially understands the courage and energy it takes to work toward healing and supporting ourselves when there is no clear cure for what ails us. Maybe we can just start with what it means to you to be an ally in your body or with your body. How would you phrase it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big question, right? And I think it's, it's something that I've been navigating for years because I think for those of us with especially with chronic illness or trauma in our body, or, I mean, there's so many reasons to not, you know, that we've been conditioned to not be an ally with our body, you know, body expectations in our culture, you know, racial oppression, all these things can, can contribute to it. So there's a lot there for people. So it's not a simple, you know, I want to be clear. It's not like a simple, easy thing. Just become an ally with your body. It's definitely a lot uh, you know, a lot of processing, a lot of work, a lot of nuance, and it's different for everyone. But something kind of I, when I was thinking about this is, you know, the fight or flight response and how for so many years for me, you know, I'll speak a little bit from my experience. It felt like the thing that I needed to fight or flee was my body or leave through freezing, right? To kind of dissociate from the pain in my body or, you know, feeling like my body was always just like doing something wrong, right? Or working against me. And I started, you know, when I was thinking about verbalizing this, I was like, well, what if, what if I was, you know, fighting alongside my body? What if I was like fleeing, you know, whatever it is, like with my body, that my body is like, it's, it's working for me, right? Right. The, the pain or the, you know, whatever is coming up in it, you know, intense emotions, whatever I'm, I'm noticing that I'm frustrated with, the more and more I look at new trauma research and do, you know, the somatic work that helps heal trauma in the body, I'm just realizing like, oh, this is my body 
body's way or you know all of our body's way of like trying to protect us of trying to give us some information about what's going on of trying to you know work through like hey yeah i'm in a lot of pain so like it you know this adrenaline will kick in and and that then ends up like making me tired long term so really it's like you know my body is working for me the best that it can and what if i noticed it in that way versus like like my body's just always like my body's just always broken right that's mm-hmm. kind of how i how i felt for many many years um and so that's maybe like the quickest simplest yeah. way is like what if this this reaction i think for a long time it felt like my only resource was to fight my body I, yeah yeah and or to like be frustrated with it or to be just like if i could just get a new body I, i've had that felt many many times in my life and I think really noting, so something actually that happened recently, I have like a lot of joint issues and joint pain and it's, it, the pain has been pretty well managed recently, like past few months I've gotten there, but I sprained my ankle recently and then I kind of retweaked it. And I, I realized at some point when I was talking to my physical therapist, like my left hip was suddenly like flaring up again. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I don't know what that is. And then we were like, oh, that's the same leg that you're you know, like, where ankles tweaked. And my body's probably like, like, we don't know. But like, I started to see it like this meaning to it instead of, oh my God, my hip is just like, it's working against me again. I was like, oh, what if my hip is just, it's tightening up because it's trying to protect my ankle. And that's like the best thing it's got right now. And that even alone, like, oh, you know, like my body was like, oh, like maybe, maybe that's all it is. I just got to let my ankle heal and care for that and know that my hip is doing the best it can. Yeah. And that was an example that just really stood out to me of, of a time where I could have, and my first reaction was to be like, this, you know, this damn hip, like what, <laughs> why are you doing this to me? I finally got, got this figured out. And then just noting like, okay, this doesn't mean like my body's like, you know, totally broken again. It doesn't mean like I have to be, you know, fighting it. Maybe it can just mean like, oh, my body's reacting to something that's happening in it. And like, what can I do to like continue to support like all the parts of my body in that? I can see how from like a cognitive behavioral framework of like thought change, somebody might try to get to that place. But Mm -hmm. can you maybe talk a little bit about like why thought change isn't exactly how you you got there and what did help you get there? Yes. Yeah. That's a really good point because I think, yeah, I'm with you. Like I think think we've, many of us have been like, just don't be stressed anymore. Just think happy thoughts. Right. And that's, that doesn't work. I tried that for a long time too. And how I got there, that's, it's, yeah, it feels, it feels really nuanced again, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all of this does. I mean, for me, the biggest thing that I did personally was, you know, see a therapist that does somatic experiencing work, and that's work that I've been training in. And part of that is like shifting, it, yeah, it's not shifting the thoughts first, necessarily. It's like shifting the nervous system response, right? Or at least giving my nervous system a different pathway. So before my only pathway, you know, in this example would have been, all right, time to fight. Like my hip is messing up. The rest of my body has got to be like against this hip, (laughs) right? Or I've got to fight it. I've got to like figure this out and and be exhausted and like 
be angry with my body again. Like that's all I have. That felt like the only way to like protect myself and figure out like how to, you know, how to make this go away if I could, or often I couldn't, you know, we have chronic pain or chronic illness. We've tried everything and we can't get it to go away. And so I think the work that, that I've been doing and that I, you know, really encourage, encourage clients with is start to notice more about what's happening like sensation wise or in the body, like as I'm feeling like angry and fighting my body, what does that do? Like for me that like the rest of my body then tenses up. Right. And, um, I kind of go into my body goes into this fight response, right. And fighting against not only like a fight response where there's a threat in front of me and that's super helpful, but a fight response that then cycles back into fighting my body. Yeah. And it just Um, exacerbates it just everything exacerbates. yeah and again it's like the only it's not it wasn't my fault it's like the only pathway my body knew for years and years because that was all I was given for those of us illness or issues since we were children you know we're that's where we learn how to you know respond to this and it's even more hardwired for, for those of us that that learn that early on so really it's like noticing and really starting to understand like I mean, that's the first step to ally with my body, right? It's saying like, this isn't my fault. Like I'm frustrated by this response that I'm having, but it's also like, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I, it's my fault that I have chronic pain. It doesn't mean that I'm doing everything wrong. It just means like, this is my body's current tool, my body's current resource for navigating this pain. And it worked for a long time, right? It, it worked to a certain extent for me for a long time. Yeah. And it's, I'm just, re- I'm starting to realize it's not working for me in the way that I need anymore. I like that you said the first step is that awareness, because I think a lot of people think if I am aware of the fact that it's not my fault, if I kind of accept that, then I'm going to get stuck there and I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going to stop fighting, which has been my protective mechanism since I was a kid. And then that means like my whole life, what I have fought so far, so far, so hard to maintain will just collapse. So we stay stuck there. Yeah. I really resonate with that. Cause that that's so true. I, I've struggled with that. And that's where I stay in that fight of like, well, I can't let go because then everything will fall apart or I'll just accept this and never like, I'll never get better. I'll never do the things I want to do in my life because this will hold me back. Right. forever if it's you know it's not my fault if there's because like, I think accepting that the the for some people the fear is there's, then there's nothing I can do about it right we kind of right. beat ourselves up and make everything our fault and because it, it feels like there's some control in that yeah right? it does exactly it feels like there's control it's like yeah. if there's all these things wrong with me then maybe I can fix it yep right whereas right. if it's like societally yeah societally the way and and it's still societally I think with our nervous systems having like limited resources right because you know especially the the somatic experiencing approach they teach a lot about you know we look they look a lot at like animals in the wild to kind of note how their nervous systems manage traumatic experiences because they're having them all the time right but they don't necessarily exhibit PTSD or trauma responses the way that we do and, but then if you look at domesticated animals, they do like, we, you know, I just put, we just had to put our cat on an antidepressant. Like, <laughs> you know, I think 
there's some there's wonderful things about our you know modern society and obviously for chronic illness and medical needs like there's a lot of great things about that that have allowed us to live you know longer fuller lives but there's also kind of a limit on or like certain expectations for how we respond to things and how our body responds to things which often keeps like that's where like my body's got to be a good patient right I've got to like keep this in I can't scream at the doctor like then I'm going to be they're going to think I'm a crazy person right or I can't you know I can't like our bodies will you know a a common response is to to shake right after something really difficult or potentially traumatic and a lot of people keep their bodies from from doing that and you know like as a as a child like when I was really young I would I would scream and I would fight but I was clearly I learned very quickly that that wasn't going to get me the support that I actually wanted and needed and so I stopped I like went the opposite direction right and I would just like tense up my body be a good patient you know not ask for anything really Mm. that I needed to make me comfortable just an example like there's so many ways that this can happen in our body but that's an example where I was doing what works in a lot of ways because if I screamed and kicked and whatever like what my body actually wanted to do when these things were happening to it it like I I wouldn't have been treated well right I've been treated like a problem yeah oppositional defiant yeah 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 for like you know something that would be really natural like I remember someone you know I was starting to re-experience when I was working with my therapist a lot of feelings in my body at like going to the dentist I had all these had to have all these like like kind of more intensive dental appointments and she made the point like dentistry work is actually can be like really triggering because like your normal response to someone sticking something in your mouth is to pull away and not let that happen and we have to like override that response to go to the dentist right right it's why and it it probably has a lot to do with why so many people understandably have a fear of the dentist um and I think that's true with any kind of like medical procedure I think that's where chronic pain gets really complicated because it's like there's this pain happening within my body like how like and I can't flee it right I can't get away from it um but that happens like all kinds of medical procedures like we've kind of normalized but it's like something's happening to our body that our body's response would be to get the hell out of here yeah (laughs) right or to fight this and we have to like that's surging through our body and we have to like turn it off yeah like or we have to like hold that in we can't really turn it off we have to hold it in right and that for a lot of us can lead to the like oh I've got to fight my body right I've got to keep it in I've got to like if I want to get what I need from these people around me um these medical professionals family members whoever like I I can't actually it feels like I can't react this way yeah I've got to keep it in have you found, I know that this is also, it's not a sim- simple question, but have you found anything that helps you navigate some of these appointments? Obviously, we still can't kick and scream when we're in the doctor's yeah. office, <laughs> even though that's probably what our body wants a lot of the times. But yeah, yeah, have you? what have you found at least helps you get through? And then are there things you do after or before as yeah. well? Oh, that's a beautiful question. One thing that you can do if if you can, and what, you know, depending on what's going on is keep your joints moving or whatever joints can move. So like, you know, at the dentist, I would like keep my wrist moving, kind of move my arms around, maybe move my ankles. 
you'll you might get questions about it so sometimes also and this is like the the other piece of that is to like really think about what you need so a big thing is you know to get as much information up front as you can about a procedure or an appointment obviously again sometimes that's limited but maybe if you can't get it beforehand yeah you know, one thing you could call the office and just kind of have some questions if you can't do that or if you don't do that you could you like really ask the doctor or whoever to slow down and walk you through, okay, what's going to happen next? And then what's going to happen next and start to think about too, like what, what do I need to feel the most comfortable? You know, I think for me a long, for a long time, I would just, like I said, my body would tense up. I remember being like, from like, I don't know, early, late elementary school to probably early high school, I had braces. And so I'd go to the orthodontist and like, keep my mouth open as wide as I could and like try not to ever close it try not you know to swallow as little as possible and now I really try to be because that that response still kicks up in me at the dentist or at any kind of doctor procedure or medical procedure and so I really try to be knowledge you know aware aware of that happening and then be like what actually like is there anything my body if it if it felt like it could, would do or ask for. And so even if you're not there where you can ask for it, because it's really hard to advocate in those um, situations that we don't feel like we have, we're already a little bit like, um, we're already a little bit, I don't know, anxious is quite the right word, but like we're already a little activated, if you will, Mm -hmm. by what's what's gonna happen, right? So I acknowledge it's really hard. But yeah, thinking about, if, if I could maybe just start with like, if I could ask for something more, or if I could move my body or readjust in some way, yeah. what, what would I ask for? What would I want to do? It you sounds just, so simple. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but yeah, I, I'm thinking even recently I brought my daughter to get her lip tie cut and yeah. walk. Like I had no idea. People say, you know, you can use scissors or laser and still I'm like, how does that even like, how does that work? I'm so confused about it. And it's like, if I had, so I, I went to the dentist and, um, that, that did it. And I actually decided I got a lot of information about like what types of procedures. And, and then I, I got a lot of information about the dentist and that through that process of just slowing down, even though I still didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, it really did help me just have faith and trust that when I walk in here, it's not going to be, it may be uncomfortable. It may hurt her. And it did. She cried. I didn't like that, but I knew, I knew that my being calm about it was going to be make her calm about it after the fact. So then I could just hold her and comfort her and love her through Mm it. Um, but yeah, slowing down and getting that information was really helpful. And I would not have done that. Like even probably a year or two ago. Right. Yeah. We don't feel like, and the thing is that should be, you know, for me, I really think systemically that should be a norm, but it's yeah. not. We've really normalized that these procedures happen. Doctors know what they're doing and you show up and you let it happen. And I think we like, it's okay to rewrite that or rewrite that for yourself and say, no, I really need, you know, I think about as a child, I had a lot of surgical procedures and I don't know what happened to me and all. I mean, now I do because I, I have learned more about just like the things that happen almost in every surgery when you're put under anesthesia but like now kind of really thinking about like oh all of these things happened to my body that I wasn't aware of 
that obviously when I was really young, I couldn't have known, but as a teenager, no one told, you know, when I had surgeries again, no one told me about these things that would happen to my body. When I, when my body is like put under, they think like, oh, that just doesn't affect you, but that's just not true. Like it's, it's your body can still have a response to that. Um, yeah. And the other thing that was coming up for me with talking about, you know, talking about your baby is like that pain is, it happens. It's normal in life. We can't fully avoid it emotionally, physically, like at some point we're going to feel pain and that's not always bad. But, you know, for me, like pain in my body has always been associated with like, here we go. Like, this is about to be really bad. This is about to mean something like really intense for me, like a surgery or, you know, a month long flare up or, you know, that's kind of something in my nervous system, nervous system that I'm trying to re rewrite a bit or see like, oh, there might be something different. This pain actually might be temporary mm. or there might be things that I can do or support that I can get after this before, during, after that could help, help me navigate this pain. So it isn't all like this horrible, bad thing. Like, you know, baby, babies need procedures sometimes to help to help, you know, their health long-term, we need procedures, you know, we go to the dentist to keep our teeth and keep eating, like, there's really good reasons for those things, and so I think, to, for me, starting to, you know, both, like, work with my nervous system to give it, to help it see that there might be another path, there might be another way that this goes, right, it might just be temporary pain, and that that's, sometimes that's okay, right, that's, that's normal like you know kids skin their knees all the time because they're being kids and playing and having a good time and like sometimes we fall and we get back up and so I think both of those things like really starting to let yourself know that you can advocate for yourself and you can you know if you don't even know what that looks like just what what would it look like if I could in this moment even if I'm that, not ready to yeah that curiosity at least just if you can just be curious in the moment, you may not have the answer. Yeah. I think that's where people get stuck too, is because if we're, we're taught, like, if you don't know the answer, it's because you didn't work hard enough to figure it out. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to sit in curiosity and know there's literally no way that I can know the answer right now, but I still have to sit here and think about it. That's how I'm going to get there. Yeah. It's a hard yeah, place yeah. to be in. It is really hard. And that's, again, that's where I think the nervous system side comes in is like, we've got to find ways to make space for our nervous system to feel like it can get there. For me, that was seeing a therapist. Obviously I'm biased. I recommend, I would recommend, you know, if people have the access to it, that they, that they see someone who like really understands chronic pain, chronic illness, or is, if you feel like you have trauma, it's trauma informed. Really, I think every, like every, you know, person in healthcare should be trauma-informed in some way because because it's so important and it can help us even if we don't identify with with trauma just this yeah. idea of finding felt safety for yourself and yeah go ahead yeah I was gonna say can you can you define felt safety and also maybe even define trauma and how you're looking at it because yeah a lot of people just don't resonate with the term at all and don't yeah. realize that they've experienced it yeah so I think I'm just gonna like write this down from my brain yeah so trauma there are lots of ways to think of it I think when people most people hear trauma they think like PTSD from being a veteran you know in war or 
like some kind of abuse that's happened to them that they have trauma from or that's happened to someone but it can trauma really especially if we look at how kind of some of the somatic research is starting to define it is like you we can have an event that happens to us that is quote unquote traumatic like you me you and I could have the same event happen to us and it's very intense it's very potentially traumatic but one of us might leave with some post-traumatic stress in our body or some kind of trauma response in our body and one of us may not we may walk out of there and you know it's over I feel safe my body feels safe it can get back to this grounded place of that happened and now it's over I was able to do my body was able to do what it needed in that situation was able to flee it was able to fight it was able to get the support it needed if it couldn't do those things in the moment it was able to get that support eventually um but there are you know in there are other circumstances and it and it's both it's based both on just the circumstances and what you were able how you were able to respond and also how your nervous system has already been wired right that something might happen again same thing might happen to me and i i walk out and i my body like that trauma kind of gets stuck in the body if you will it's like my body can't fully process that it ended Mm -hmm. it's still in that fight or flight like maybe I can see that I'm out of that situation but who knows when it's going to happen again so let me keep this this exactly yeah yes exactly like your body and again it's not like you're con you might not constantly even you know there are some people that like they have really clear trauma um, symptoms like they have flashbacks and they feel like they're constantly on edge and it can, it can also be more subtle, right? I mean, mine, a lot of it was perfectionism. Like I've got to be perfect. I've got to be ready, right? And I do have to be prepared for something bad to happen again. Um, and so that's a little more subtle. Like I don't think, especially back, you know, in the early 2000s or 90s or early 2000s, people would have identified that as a trauma response. But it's, it's the research is really shifting. And the more work that I do with folks, the more at the very least, there's like a, a pattern that our body learns, mm. right? Like that's kind of what I'm working with folks on is it might be from just the way your family process things. It might be from, yeah, a certain, a certain situation that happened to you where your body didn't feel like it could respond in the way it needed. And so that response is kind of happening over and over again in different ways, which again, it's not your fault. Yeah. Um, it's just the way that your body process and or didn't feel like it could process in the way that it it needed and so yeah it's always prepared for it to happen again yeah breaking that pattern that nervous system pattern that we're not even really aware of because a lot of people I think also get a little confused or or frustrated with um when we're not talking about the problem if we're just trying to feel it like what do we do with that well we're learning that this that there's more than one way to feel about this Yes. Yeah. There are lots of ways. Yeah. To feel about it. And I think that's where felt safety comes in is you might rationally be safe. Like there's probably a lot of people around you saying like, you're safe. You're fine. Again, like just, I had so many doctors. Yeah. Let's just talk some stress. Just stop being stressed. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, how, how do I just stop being stressed? Like if I could do that, I wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't be in this situation if I could like just you know, will myself to not be stressed. Yeah. Um, because my body could not, it hadn't found felt safety yet. 
and you know that's something I'm still working on and so you know one really great exercise you can you can try on your own is even just noticing like not you know you may not have full safety anywhere in your body but is there one place that feels a little more safe a little less activated is there a place in your life that feels a little more safe you know that feels a little more like oh i can maybe i can take a deep breath here right this is a place where i can even if it, i'm not fully relaxed or fully fully grounded or fully safe i can at least find like five percent more yeah, I think that's a that's a start, and it feels, as I'm saying it, it feels like a thought exercise, and it, to me, it's all connected. Like the brain and body are in the, it's all the brain is in our body, right? And all these chemicals and reactions and our nervous system, it's all very connected. We have the vagus nerve that goes, you know, from from our brain all the way down, you know, our spine to, to our gut, and our gut and our brain are super connected by that. And so I, you know, I won't get into like all the science on that. And also I'm not an expert in the vagus nerve, but I know that that I, I really find it helpful to think about, to learn more about how the nervous system works and how the brain and body are connected. Cause I think a big part of our modern society is we've really like detached the brain and the body, mm. you know, despite the fact that they're all, they're all together. They can't live without each other. We've kind of acted like they're really separate but they're not so it is in some ways it's a thought exercise but it also helps your brain connect to your body in a way that I think we're so used to just like kind of dissociating or disconnecting from. yeah no I, I can see that it is it is a really like nuanced conversation but it, if, if starting in your brain is where it feels good because that's what you're used to then fine that's great we can start there and hopefully our goal is to connect those thoughts to different sensations in your body so that when you're thinking about safety, you can actually feel physically feel little pockets of safety inside of you. Exactly. And just even starting to notice, right. So often it's like, we, it's scary. It can be scary to notice, which is why often we don't. Um, yeah. But like, I know for a long time, like, Oh, I had no idea all this stuff was going on in my body. It was just like, I feel pain. That's it. I'm gone. Like my brain's just yeah. connect or find a different, like, get really tense and then and try to fight it that way it goes back to what you were saying earlier you were like you know it's unacceptable to be flailing your legs or screaming or like doing these yeah. things in a medical procedure so yeah we're taught to just shut off any mm-hmm. feeling because that's the only way that we're gonna then not do those things yeah well and again the brain and the body are so connected that actually another resource you can use is Im- imagining yourself doing that like maybe you're not laying there kicking your legs, but while, while you're in the procedure or even afterwards, you can, what is it like to imagine my body being able to do exactly what it wanted to in that moment? Yeah. No consequences, right? This, now this is an imaginary situation, so I don't have to worry about the consequences. What would that be like if, if my body could flail its legs? You can yeah. even flail your legs when you get home, right? Yeah. Like there, are, there are ways and for folks who are, and I know for me in the beginning, it felt weird. It felt silly. It's like, are you like, surely this can't help me. And I'm, you know, I will never say like, you're going to go home and fill your legs and you're going to feel hundred percent better. That is not it. But it's like, again, it's bringing more awareness and connection to your brain and body and giving 
your nervous system like the chance to react in the way that it wants to to protect you yeah and i think that's that's another way of kind of a deeper way of like how do i ally with this part of myself that like i can't always let come out practically i totally get that yeah i can't flail my legs especially if they're they're working on a part of your body that you can't move right yeah you can't move it but yeah what can you imagine doing or what can you imagine doing once you get, you know, later when you are in a place where you feel more safe to be able to let your mind go there or let your body go there, really. Yeah. And just to reiterate, like you said, it's, it's not about feeling immediately better or all of my anxiety is now gone. But what we're talking about here is being an ally to your body. And if you think about being an ally to anyone or anything, you're not fixing their problems for them. You're supporting them in their fight and in their issues so that's what we're doing with our body yeah that's yeah I love that that's that's exactly right like yeah we're not and we might again we don't know how to fix things for other people Um, right and we don't always know how to fix it for ourselves but we can start with okay what would it look like to just add a little support here you know whatever that looks like for me and I say all this as like seeing this work for me and other people like I you know I know it's easy to hear this stuff and be like okay like sure and it does it is helpful again it's not necessarily you're going to do this exercise one time and you're going to be you know 100% cured or whatever and most of us aren't ever going to be fully you know we have chronic conditions right. for those you know listening to your podcast and know that that's likely true for most of us and so I want to identify the reality because I think so many of us feel like people just expect us to get better. And we, we have some real connection to like, this is even when I'm like right now, my pain is really well managed, but I have to be pretty intentional about continuing that. Yeah. Right. And meeting like supporting my body and meeting it where it's at. So I, I also want to be clear that this is really just a, a way to help you continue to support yourself it's one piece yeah and sometimes it could be part of the puzzle that leads to less pain or less activation in your body again I can't I'm not ever going to promise anyone that it's going to resolve every problem that you have that's just not that's yeah how any of it works but that yeah it's a it's a it's a way like you said it's just a way to ally with your body instead of fighting it like our body's already especially if we have chronic conditions, like our body is already like working really, really hard, right? It's already fighting a lot. And so, man, like I'd rather, it's similar with, you know, I do a lot around self-compassion. It's kind of the same thing. Like I wouldn't it be, you know, it might be nice to just be an ally with myself or with my body than to keep, to add, you know, another fight in to the mix. Yeah. And the mindfulness piece is just, that's the tool of how we get there. You know, you talked about not knowing, not even knowing what we need a lot of the time, especially in the beginning of this process. And yeah, we don't know what we need because we're disconnected from our bodies. So part of becoming mindful does mean you might feel your pain a little bit more. You might, you know, you're becoming more aware and less dissociated. So yeah, there's some pain in that, but the ultimate goal is to be acutely aware and then we can acutely be able to explain what we need to ourselves and to others. Mm-hmm. So it's like learning how to figure out, we're figuring out what we need 
And then in that process, we can then figure out how to ask for what we need. Exactly. Yeah. The way the wording I typically I tend to use with myself and with with people I work with is like we're we're just kind of creating a little bit more space. Right. So before we might be so tense or constricted that there is no room to even think about like what we might need or what it might feel like in our body. And so again, it's like, how can we create like 5% more space to even start to ask, start to think like, well, what if there was a different way? Or what if there was, you know, if I felt, yes, I might feel my pain a little bit more, I might be more aware of it, but what if that could lead to more support for my body, for yeah. more information that would help me navigate this mm -hmm. in a different way or in a way that feels more supportive, more helpful to me. So yeah, I really, that's just the, I think, being really clear that there's, I, you know, I think creating more space for me just feels, it feels like what's happening, right? And there's, there's, it's a neutral kind of way to look at it without judging yourself. Like, oh, I need to, I need to work on this thing, or I really need to make sure I change this pattern or change this thought. No, we're just like, what if we can create just a little more space around this pain, this feeling is whatever's coming up so that I could maybe like take a look around mm -hmm. and see like is there more for me to learn here is there another way that I could make it through the situation I could be okay and support myself in a new yeah. way yeah we've talked a lot today about how we can support ourselves and in, in, in that you know, mindfulness and learning how to advocate for yourself in that way I'm curious though, do you have any um, thoughts that you might want to quickly share and maybe we could expand on it in the future, but quickly share about what about the outside? Like what about everyone else? Like how can other people support us, especially when we don't know how to support ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think, you know, I thought I had earlier is again, kind of going back to if you do have access to therapy, I mean, I know for me, the most helpful thing was having a safe person in the room with me who could kind of add that support. You know, they kind of could bring in the structure of support that I, that my body didn't have as I like expanded that space. And so I think finding those people, right. So, and one thing is your body knows who those people are. Like it feels, like I said, like what's an environment, who are people that can feel like a little bit more safe for you then you know I think there are folks that don't feel as safe they just don't have the capacity to hold that with us in the way that we need and that's that is what it is that's fine right it, it can be hurtful depending on our relationship with that person but it also you know that's just true and so who are people that do have that capacity I think I don't know too if your question is more too about like systemically or like Pretty. in the medical world <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a good point too. We could go a million directions with it, <laughs> but um, maybe we'll just ask if there is one piece of advice, just one starting point. So I know it will be simplified advice and remember there's always nuance here, yeah. um, but if there was just one piece of advice you had either for doctors or friends or parents who maybe like, where can they start if they just don't get it? They just don't understand why what we're talking about here is important. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm taking that in for a moment and thinking yeah. about it. 
Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is really noting that they don't get it. Mm. They can't get it. They've never experienced this, you know, they've never experienced chronic pain in their body. They've never experienced, you know, they, when they're sick or when they are in pain, they've, they've found a way to get better, usually. Happens for them. And I think just really being honest with themselves that like the person who's the expert in what's happening is the person experiencing it. I think that's, that's true for so many things right now yeah. in society. You know, there's so many things that come up for me as I say that, but I think they have to be honest and, and know that it's okay that they don't know how to fix it. Right. We talked about that for ourselves. We don't always know how to fix it. So when, when I have someone who's like wants to fix it and ask me how, like that can also feel, I, I guess that their intention is to help me, but it's hard when I don't even fully know. And yeah. it's hard to have space around that person for me. If they're like, I need to figure out how to fix this for you. Like, well, you know, I would love to know, but again, it's, it's chronic. That's part of what we're like. That's part of the, the struggle with this is there's not like a clear way to fix it. There's not a way that, really like learning how to, you know, how to hold pain, how to hold struggle, kind of going back to, again, like pain is going to happen in our lives. It sucks. It's, you know, there, maybe there's a world where that doesn't exist, but what we know about the world right now is like, as human beings, we're going to experience pain. And our goal as caregivers, as you know, supporters, even as medical professionals, is not always to end the pain, especially if we can't, especially if that person is telling us, like, I've tried everything and I just can't figure it out. Obviously, like, our, like your first reaction is, I want to help this person not feel pain, but there has to be room to see them in their pain, to see their struggle and try to understand it, knowing that, like, if you've never been there, you can't. Yeah. Right. So deferring to that person when really, I, I think too, just, I think it's so powerful for those of us who experience this to have someone just want to learn more, more right. Not someone who's going to tell us, you should, have you tried this diet? Have you taken this medicine? Have you done this? Like sometimes if we, if we're asking for it, that's helpful. That's how I found a lot of things is networking with other folks. So usually it's other folks who, who have a similar experience to me. So I think just really, again, going back to mindfulness and curiosity and really like acknowledging like, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and I want to learn more so that I can be a safe, supportive person to you. And I think that's true for doctors and medical professionals, other therapists, like we have to really step back from like, as much as we want to help folks, I think we have to step back from like, I've got the answer for you. Yeah especially when it's someone that's sitting in front of us that's like been looking for answers for years and years and years yeah because coming in with like well I got it like maybe but I think you first need to make space and build trust that like you're here to to listen and understand before you're here to give it give a solution right because if you've been trying your whole life and you've failed over and over and over again to fix this, even if someone does somehow have this magic pill, you, your body already knows that every time you've tried something, it has ended in failure. And so for you to in, immediately come to me and say, I have the solution. I actually don't trust you now because I don't trust solutions. 
Exactly. And I don't trust that you know enough about what's happening for me yet or what I've tried so far or, you know, like you, I know that's what I need from people. Like they need to take time to understand because my conditions, my story is really complex. Right. If you read one note about me and you think you have the magic pill, I, yeah, I'm not going to trust you at all. Right. That's a really good point. And so I mean, I think too, it goes back to the, the mindfulness piece around, around, yeah, like it's okay if I don't have a solution right now. What's most important is that I under, like gain as much understanding of this person in front of me. And like that, even if I like, as this like able-bodied person stand here and this person looks safe and seems okay. And it seems like this, this, medication or this diet or whatever could work for them knowing that me saying it doesn't create safety for them right yeah. going back to felt safety like this person has to feel that you're safe before we get to solutions with them. that's right it goes back to that thought versus yeah felt safety in the body I can say to myself all day long this doctor is not going to hurt me but until my body believes it yeah. I'm not I'm not going to be able to even absorb a lot of what they're saying Mm-hmm. And obviously for ev- it's different for everyone, like what creates felt safety, but there are some, some themes. And I think one of those, I know for most of us with chronic conditions, it's like that you really, like, I can feel that you actually want to understand what's that happening. Makes sense. And when I tell you that I have pain, even if you can't find the reason for it, that you acknowledge my pain. Yeah. Right. I, is- I can't tell you how many, like, medical professionals or even other like people you know other people in my life that well you don't look like you're in pain right or I ran all these tests and nothing's wrong with you so it must just you know be in your head or be you know yeah probably not a big deal while I've been in excruciating pain for months and months and months or years even right and so I think until someone can show us that they want to understand and that no matter what they're going to validate that we know like that I'm the expert in my body I'm the only one that is feeling this pain that's happening in my body like you you can't deny that what I'm feeling until I know that you're that safe person yeah I'm not going to trust you even if you have a magic pill like you said it's and even if I try it like the I, I'm sure I'm, I know that there's research around this, like this idea of like, if I don't feel safe, the, the, even if the medical procedure is exactly right, like there's, it's still going to be harder for my body to take it in. It's yeah. It's going to take longer to feel positive effects from it. Right. Because well, because even like, if you fix the pain or the problem or the thing in the body, the body still remember your tissues still remember the pain. And so we physically feel pain in that area. And if we don't believe that that procedure was, really worthy or trustworthy then our signals in our brain which again this is not about thoughts like this is automatic it's going to send pain signals to that area even if the problem is solved so or even it's just gonna like you know be like oh we need to be on alert right so like things will be activated your muscles might be more tense like they're ready to respond to to something bad happen to a threat right because we're not that yeah i think that's one of the biggest things is like if we don't have felt safety our body is on alert and it's looking for threats and it's not always going to trust that this thing that a medical professional or a loved one is saying is safe so we yeah yeah, the most important thing for i think anyone working with folks 
um, with chronic chronic pain, with any kind of like chronic struggle in their life, you know, something that they've been dealing with for a long time, with systemic oppression, like all, you know, there's so many things like this where if we don't center the person, the person's experience that's, that's like actually experiencing it and we don't let them feel heard, feel understood and feel like, you know, no matter what, we're going to be here to offer support when they express pain to us, then then yeah, there's no, no, we're never going to feel safe around that person or in the system or, you know, with, in the medical field. And I think that's a real, that's something I think the medical field, I've definitely found a lot more doctors um, in the past few years that I do feel safe with than I ever did, you know, when I was younger, like in earlier, <laughs> earlier days. I think that there are folks in the medical field that are understanding this more, but we have so far to go both, both yeah in the medical field and in our society in general and really being able to support folks yeah. who don't, who have, who can't find fault safety for good reason. Like your brain and body is trying to protect you for very good reason. I, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of that. I think there was a lot of different pieces to take away today, obviously for yourself, things you can start doing immediately. And then, um, also, you know, for medical professionals, just become curious. Don't lose that curiosity that probably got you into medical school to begin with. Don't get defensive. Do your own work, your own inner work, and don't get defensive when a, when a patient is in your office also being defensive and kind of like attacky because we have really bad experiences with the medical field. And so yeah. if you can do that, then you can also, if you can understand that, then you can also be an ally for us while we're trying to do everything to ally for ourselves. For sure. Yeah. And there's one, I know we need to wrap up. There's one thing, I think it's so important that people get tangible resources. And so it's come up, I've thought about multiple times as yeah. we're talking. So if folks need, like are looking for another resource to help ground their body. Um, one thing that Peter Levine, who's, you know, like the, the father of somatic experiencing, if you will, um, he uses a lot now is the VU sound, similar to an OM. If you don't do that a lot, it might feel strange, but you can, there are lots of videos out there, um, but it's like a really helpful way. It works for me and lots of my, the people I work for, you know, people are always like, it's so weird. It's so simple, but like, I really do feel more grounded. And the theory is it activates our vagus nerve in a way that's really grounding. Yeah. Um, do you want to even give like a, a quick demo? Sure. Yeah. So I'll just explain it and then we can do it. And then okay. we can wrap up from there. Um, so yeah, the way I, I typically tell folks to do it is, you know, we take a breath in and then when you're ready, you kind of make the VU sound from your gut, kind of like, you know, as you're exhaling, it's like that. Um, yeah, it's like part of your exhale is the voo. And I just voo until my breath runs out. And then taking a moment or a few moments afterward to just notice. So maybe even starting with noticing where your body's at right now. And then we'll take a breath in. Yeah, and I would take, you know, as long as we need and do a couple more if that ever, if that feels good. Um, and I always tell people too, it's not a, 
not meant to be a beautiful sound like mm. um, but even now I'm like talking softer I'm feeling you know I'm noticing yeah like my body just feels like it's it's relaxed even just slightly I noticed my pelvic floor went from like tight. I'm sitting up straight. I'm on a hard chair and everything just completely like let loose. And yeah. it doesn't, to your point, it doesn't fix that problem. I actually just tightened up again as soon as I started talking, mm-hmm. but that awareness means that I can pay attention more throughout the day and maybe continue to repeatedly relax over and over and over again it's not like a, oh, I relaxed and I should stay relaxed now. It takes practice. No. Well, and our bodies are meant to move through that, right? right. We're meant to like sometimes feel relaxed and our body is supposed to get activated and respond. Like that's a really important part of our body. It's when we get stuck in one place or the other that things, you know, are tricky. And so to your point, like another quote from Peter Levine is like, we're, we're all we're trying to do with like my work and supporting my clients is to find ions of safety, Mm. right? So it might just be those few, you know, those 30 seconds during the boost down, that's your one ion of safety or your, your pet dog or uh, pet fish or, you know, whatever (laughs) it is there might be, but like, if you can, that's how we start to create like 1% more space to have some awareness around this, to ally with our bodies. It's yeah. starting with islands of safety. So don't push yourself either. That's, I think, really important. Oh, such yeah. good points. Thanks, yeah. Joy. Okay, I well, appreciate it. it but, yeah. yeah, it was great. If you learned something new today, consider writing it down in your phone notes or journal and make that new neural pathway light up. Better yet, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram, email me, or leave a voice memo for us to play on the next show. The way you summarize your takeaways can be the perfect little soundbite that someone else might need in order to better absorb the same lesson. Lastly, leaving a review really helps others find this podcast, so please do so if you found this episode helpful.